Francis blazes away over the offside, clears the lot. A little bit flatter, now it's hit high to mid-off. Will it carry? It does carry. Over the top for six. Over mid-off. Powerful blow from Priest. And for the second time in 2021, it's a very warm welcome to the Cricket Library Weekly to all our listeners and to my very special guest, Robbie McKinlay. My name's Matt Ellis. Uh, Welcome to you, Robbie. G'day, Matt. And yes, warm is the operative word because it has warmed up a little bit in uh, across Australia, particularly on the eastern seaboard. But um, yeah, it's warming up. In the test series as well, and that too, it's one all. We've had that draw, fantastic effort by India, but um, yeah, gee, and the BBLs in red hot condition at the moment. So Matt, um, for us cricket buffs and nuffies like ourselves, we're in cricket heaven. Absolutely, mate. It's been a, an outstanding time of year. Well done to everyone getting the Sydney Test done. Um, a wonderful performance from India. A lot of fight, a lot of determination. Test cricket at its finest. And the counter-attacking from the likes of Pant, who, Robbie, we were on hand a couple of years ago to see him make a magnificent 150-plus score at the SCG. He loves the ground, and he takes on the bowling and really does put up a fight. Uh, a wonderful batter to watch in full flight. Yeah, there's something about him, isn't he? Look, he didn't have the greatest test match with behind the stumps, Matt, yeah. let's face it. But and, and he did suffer an injury with a with that thumb injury. But I think he he really typified what India have been all about. Um right throughout the whole test series. Because apart from that um an hour of um just chaos uh when they lost it when a bowled after thirty six, it is uh, apart from that, they've really played well. They've, they've Nearly out. I reckon they've just got outplayed Australia is apart from that. So, yeah, they've all chipped in. You know, Ravi Ashwin, he was fantastic. He was gritty. Yeah, oh, look, for mine, there was too much um, negativity around the Australians. You know, Tim Payne might drop a few catches. He might have done this. My focus straight away went to India because that was a fighting effort. And at one stage, they even looked like they could win that test match. And, yeah, so... Well done to both sides. That both sides have put on a fantastic series. It's one all. We hit Brisbane tomorrow, and oh, what a finish! And look, I, I suppose Matty, the only thing the downside of that now, India have been ravished with injuries. Yeah. Uh, and you know, Jasper Boomerang will be out, and that that for mine tips it in the favour of Australia very much. So. And some breaking news earlier today. This is a, a Thursday night production. That's coming out to you at the moment. So earlier today, news breaking that Will Pekofsky has been replaced by Marcus Harris. So great opportunity for Marcus Harris to come back into the side. He's had some good shield form early in the season and won't be out of place at the top of the order for the Australians. Great to see Marnus Labashane and Stephen Smith back in the runs. And doesn't Marnus Labashane have a very impressive record in Australia? Plays in Australian conditions tremendously well. And that record continues to grow. And a very impressive batsman. 
Uh, quite a bit of a quirky character, isn't he, uh, Marnus mm. Lavashane? But uh, he, he gets the job done. And I, I think I heard on the ABC commentary, uh, Trent Copeland, very astute judge of the game, describing what Stephen Smith and Marnus Labashane do um, with their expressiveness is a way of them having their presence in the game. So if a bowler bowls a good ball, it's a way of them sort of having having control over the way they respond to it and trying to be as positive mm. as they can and express themselves in that way. And he described it as putting a bit of mayo on on things, but it, it actually helps them, I think. And I, I think the results are there for all to see the way they played in Sydney. Yeah, I, I agree, Matty. And, and I love it. I think it's fantastic. Is, there is probably nothing more sedate or boring than a bowler runs in, a foot outside off stuff, and they leave it with yeah. no emotion. Not much happens. <laughs> so if, if they wield the bat around like a sword or come down the wicket a little bit, yeah, that's fantastic because what it's doing is actually engaging people into a, uh, to a reaction. So, yeah. I think it's great. It does not worry me one bit. Whatever it takes. Everyone's different. Cross if everyone was the same, uh, it would be boring. And there's so many different characters in um, in this Australian test side, as there is in the Indian one. And I think it all it, it just all goes well for what's coming up to this final test match. It's, um, things might have things just heated up a little bit of time during that third test. I think there's been a bit of a, a correction will happen following that. And I think we'll get back and we'll see some really good, hard, serious cricket. Because let's face it, we're very, very fortunate that we are playing the Test Series. Yeah. Both sides have been um, really good about it. Both um, both of the controlling bodies have been fantastic. And everyone's worked really hard to get it. And um, it's, it's always going to be a one little bit of a blow-up here and there. Or this, yeah. that, that's, just, that, that's natural. But I'm sure now... And I, that's what I really admire about Tim Payne. Uh, Tim Payne didn't have to do that press conference the morning after the match. I think Gary Lyon, Nate Fine was due for it. Tim Payne stepped up. And he just went up there and, he, and he, he came out, he put his hand up and he said, I was disappointed with some aspects of how I reacted yesterday. That's what I really admire in a person. So we all make all have our days. Yeah. And he straight away came out. He has been a fantastic leader for Australia. Um, and he showed that again by doing what he did. He was being real. Absolutely. And uh, every one of us makes mistakes on it every single day of the week. And those of us who are married may be more aware of it than others, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> certainly, certainly, uh, it takes uh, a, a very uh, impressive person to come out and own it and and take responsibility for it. And and I really hope that we uh, see people getting behind Tim Payne in, in the fourth test, and uh, hopefully, there's a correction. And he's acknowledged that that the way. Uh, things played out wasn't wasn't true to how he would like to yeah. see himself behaving. So, uh, well done, TD Payne, and bring on the Gabba. Now, the Gabba has been a fortress of sorts. The last time that Australia lost a test match there was when I was in year four. Oh, so it's a big, how long that? Oh, that's a long time. Uh, it was over three decades. Yeah, so it was the same year that uh, every primary school student in Australia got a bicentenary uh, commemorative coin, I do believe. And another another major event in that year, 1988, the World Expo 88 in Brisbane. What an iconic oh. event that one was. Uh, you, sound like, <laughs> you sound like you're all over it, it Robbie. World I, Expo I 88. Do vague, 
I do vaguely remember that event. Um, I didn't go. No, I didn't go either. Uh, and it no. spanned. Uh, it spanned for. A it went good, forever, didn't it? Yeah, it, went, it finished in October. I think it started around Easter time. So once that was out of the way, Australia played the West Indies and didn't didn't they have a day out, the West Indies, or the five days out, I guess, the three days out, however many days the Test match went for. Uh, it was one-way traffic. Guys like Kurtley Ambrose steaming in. Courtney Walsh actually took a hat-trick in that game over two innings. So, so Matt. Was that the last time Australia were beaten at the Gabba? Last time. Yeah, that was the last time. There were were some uh, other years before that where Australia didn't fare so well. The year after, uh, Sri Lanka played out a draw. Young Aravinda De Silva notched up a big 150-plus in that one. Uh, He was actually dropped. I think he was dropped possibly before he'd even scored a run. He chipped back a catch to big Mervyn Hughes and he he put it down. And I think it was something like 167 runs later, he was uh, back, back in the pavilion. Mm. But um, yeah, I've written a little article actually on on the Stump to Stump website. I'd encourage people to check that out. Around the five overseas players who've made an impact at the venue since 1988, and I'd encourage you to have a read of that one as well, Robbie. In your in, on your annual leave, you, you should be able yeah. to maybe maybe read it a couple of times for me. I will. I've got it. Um, I've got that tagged in on one of my socials and that is on my agenda list it's actually later on this afternoon oh absolutely outstanding mate and um we are very fortunate on the cricket library weekly to have tracked down a very special guest a very popular cricketer on this program throughout the wbbl and our chat with her or your chat with her i, I say our because i feel like the Cricket Library Weekly is a collective project and everyone at the Cricket Library would be very happy about this one. So in just a moment, we're going to hear Robbie McKinlay's chat with WBBL, WNCL, international cricket superstar, Rachel Priest. Well, what a great pleasure it is to have on the Cricket Library Weekly one of New Zealand's most successful white ball cricketers, having played 87 one-day internationals, 75 T20 matches for her country, including a record-breaking innings of 157 versus Sri Lanka in 2015. That was in ODI cricket. She's also been a star of the WBBL over the last few years and is now looking for a big season with Tasmanian Raw in the WNCL. It is a very warm welcome to Rachel Priest. Good morning, Rach. How are you? Good morning. Really good, thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolute pleasure, uh, Rachel. I uh, must admit um, I'm a massive fan of, um, oh, particularly when you're at Thunder, watching uh, <laughs> open the innings and, um, and this year, of course, with the Hurricanes, um, you know, when you're taking down some bowling attacks, no one hits the ball as well. But now, look, we just mentioned you're down in Tasmania. How is life in the Apple Isle? Um, it's great, actually. Um, it's very similar to home um, for me. So the, the scenery and the, and the weather's really nice as well. My family actually live up in Queensland, so it's a bit hot up there for me. But um, no, I'm absolutely loving Tassie and I've, I've been able to get away for a few weekends camping and do a bit of stuff like that as well. So um, it's absolutely beautiful. Oh, how good is that? Because um, I believe, Rachel, you grew up um, in the, on the North uh, Island in New Zealand, a, a place called Taranaki. 
Yeah, yeah, I had uh, I had a lovely time growing up there. It was a beautiful place to live. Um, grew up on the beach, and, and the mountain was only 15 minutes away as well. So I was really, really lucky with where I grew up, and and I was also really lucky that it was a really good cricket um, province and a, and a good place to to learn my trade. Yeah, what got you into cricket for a start, Rachel? What was your um? So, you know, I know the traditional one in Australia is backyard cricket, and maybe playing with your brothers and or your sisters because. It's all, it's the progression is was not quite as simple in those days for in the female game. No, actually, I I always asked my mum, you know, how I got into it, and apparently I just saw it on TV and said I want to play that sport. So um, neither of my parents are really into it, and I've just got one older sister who isn't very sporty. So I often, you know, had my own games going in the backyard. So I did a bit of bowling as a kid, but um, obviously moved into wicketkeeping pretty quickly when I actually started playing proper cricket. But no, I actually grew up watching Test cricket, and that's I think yep. what gave me the love of the game. Who were you? Who were your heroes in those early days? Um. Lots of Kiwi guys, um, Adam Prory, Craig McMillan, Nathan Astle. Um, obviously, I really liked Adam Gilchrist as well, being a wicketkeeper. Um, I like. I mean, I love just loved watching cricket, and I still do now. Um, so yeah, it was just all the stuff on TV. But unfortunately, there wasn't much women's cricket on TV, or if any, at that time. So I didn't actually know women's cricket was a thing. Um, so once I figured that out, I sort of started to think about a pathway. And you found it. Hey. Um- I, I would imagine uh, we're living in Tassie at the moment. There would be some similarities with the countryside and the scenery from New Zealand. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's absolutely beautiful down here. And um, as I said, I've been able to get away and do a bit of camping up the East Coast, which is really beautiful. Um, and been lucky that it's actually been nice and warm um, the last little while. So I've been heading down to the beach with the dog and going for a swim after training and things like that. So, no, it's perfect temperature for me here. I like it a little bit cooler. Now, what sort of dog have you got, Rachel? Um, I've got a Kelpie. Oh, She's an old girl, but um, it's nice to have some company down here and, um, you know, have a bit of an outlet other than cricket to take her down to the beach and take her for a swim and things like that. So it's really nice to be able to bring her down. And how long's the Kelpie been with you? She's seven, so she's pretty relaxed. She can, you know, stay home all day when I'm doing my training and then we head down to the beach and give her a swim and, you know, I'm, I know that she'll be fine all day while I'm doing my thing. And Rach, um, you were saying earlier to me that your parents are up in Queensland these days. Yeah, my parents have lived in Australia since I was about 18. So mum um, ended up coming over here for a job and um, both my parents and my sister live up on Bribey Island, which is about an hour north of Queens of Brisbane. Um, and I've got a little niece up there as well. So um, I try to get back there as much as possible. But as I said, it's um, just too hot there for me. Um, I'm more a cooler weather girl. Where I grew up in New Zealand, it was much cooler um, than it is there. But it's a lovely spot to go and visit. Oh, you've got the best of both worlds. You've got a uh, summer in Tasmania and a winter in Bribey Island. That would be that's <laughs> I know, all, yeah. That's the dream Perfect. scenario, Rachel. <laughs> I know, I've nailed it, haven't I? <laughs> oh, goodness <laughs> mate. That's great. Hey, Rachel, um, we, 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 oh, look, let's first of all reflect back on the, um, the hurricane season in the Rebel WBBL 06. It, it sort of had its ups and downs a bit. There were some, there were some really good moments. I reckon... One of the key moments was that heartbreaking one-run loss to the Sydney Thunder. I think it might have been at um, Hurstville Oval. I know you you scored eighty odd that day, so but oh, you were so close. Yeah, that was one that um, I often reflect back on when I'm thinking about the season. Um, as you said, it was a really up and down season for us. We just couldn't get the momentum we needed, and and when a, a season's going so quickly like that one, when you get on the back foot, it's hard to you know to bring it back around. But 
yeah, that was a tough a tough loss. Obviously, like it's my old team, so I wanted to go well against them. Um, and scoring eighty was nice, but it was just really frustrating that I couldn't get them across the line. And um, it happens, unfortunately. You know, that's cricket. And yep. Hannah Darlington's a great bowler, and she bowled a really good last over. And and um, you know, that was that. But um, yeah, I think it's just we just didn't quite execute our plans batting wise this season. We just didn't get enough runs, basically. Um, didn't give our bowlers enough to bowl at. And yeah, we just have to look forward to next season and hopefully remedy some of the things that didn't go quite right for us this season. Certainly were some positives though, wasn't it, with the introduction introduction of some young stars into the, the team um with and who did really well. Yeah, well we had Amy Smith come in and God, she's young enough to be my daughter. Yeah. Um, so it yeah. was pretty awesome to see her come in and she had her 16th birthday in the hub. So, um, yeah, it's really awesome to to be a part of teams that are bringing through youth like that. And, um, you know, she didn't look out of place at all. She bowled to some of the best players in the world. And it was funny. We sort of had a running joke that she only got international batters out. So, um, no, nah, she had a dream start to her um, WBBL career, which I know will be a really long one. Yeah, I think Amy too... Rachel, um, a lot of people probably haven't seen it yet, but from what I saw of her, she looks like she's going to be a very well-equipped batter as well. Yeah, she is. She's a very, very good batter as well. I actually play club cricket with her, so we've had a few little innings together. Um, it's just one of those things, isn't it? Like, you got to get the confidence and, and belief in your ability, and, you know, she's only 16, so um, she's certainly got all of the skills. Um, it's just, you know, it takes time to get used to playing at those kind of levels. And, and I'm sure she'll be, you know, a, a big star of the WBBL and WNCL and, and hopefully higher on as one day. Yeah, for sure. And you, you did mention club cricket there. You've, uh, you've made a nice start too. I noticed you 92 on the weekend for Newtown. And I guess club cricket is a very big part of uh, pre-season and getting into a bit of nick for the uh, WNCL. Yeah, absolutely. We've had um, a good few 50 over games since we've come back from our break after the hub, which has been really good. Um, and the club cricket here is really strong um, at the moment. We've sort of spread out the the um, WNCL girls around the teams and, and made sure that it's going to be a, a nice, strong competition. So, um, no, we've had some good games. We didn't uh, quite get across the line the other week, but um, it was nice to spend some time out in the middle and, you know, just hopefully get some nick for uh, when we get into the WNCL. Geez, I've seen you take down some of the best bowling attacks in international cricket, Rachel. Some of those <laughs> poor club bowlers in Tassie, they're in, they're in for a nice experience. <laughs> well, luckily um, we had a few of the um, the contractor girls playing against us the other day. So, you know, I was able to get a few away. But look, it was a pretty difficult pitch that day. So I had to kind of rein it in a little bit um, as I try to for 50 over cricket. But yep. um, yeah, there was a few swings for sure. Okay. Now, just with the WNCL season, you guys, I think, are scheduled to start late January over in Adelaide. What's the word on the street for you guys? Is that looking like uh, going ahead? Um, I think they might be pushing it back a little bit, just obviously with COVID. They're, they're really just going week by week, day by day almost, to make sure that everyone's going to be safe wherever they hold it. So that may be changing. We don't have um, definite um, confirmation yet. Um but look, we're just going on, you know, what we know at the moment. And we're just obviously anytime it gets pushed back, the positive is you just get a little bit more time to train. So yep. um, as we know, with this whole, you know, the whole of 2020 and obviously moving into this year, COVID's had a huge impact on everything. So really, we're lucky to, that we're playing it all. Um, and we're just, you know, going, you know, going with being ad adaptable and, and making sure that we're ready to go whenever they start the competition, which we're really looking forward to. 
That's fantastic. And you guys have picked up a couple of handy recruits too, haven't you, for the uh, Raw this year? Yeah, um, we've got Naomi Stalenberg come down from New South Wales so um, and obviously from the Thunder as well. So we've snuck a few Thunder yeah. players down here. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, we've, we've got a good little team. We've got Heather Graham as well come yes. over from WA. So she's a fantastic player as well. Um, so no, I think, um, you know, obviously, as we know, the, the hurricane season didn't go to plan, but, um, you know, we're moving into a different format with a different group of players and hopefully we can, um, you know, put all the good work that we've been doing in the nets and in trainings and stuff to, to good use. Rachel, if you had your last game of cricket and I said to you, you've got one choice, it can be a T20 game or it can be a 50 over game. Which one would it be? <laughs> Oh, it's a hard question. I think I'd say T20. Yeah, good work. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's more my type of game, to be fair, but um, yeah. Now, Rachel, before we let you go, uh, we have a, a section on the Cricket Library Weekly called Matt's Mailbag, and it got mm-hmm. pretty clogged up over the Christmas break. But when word got out that we were going to be talking to you, uh, one of your biggest fans when you were at Sydney Thunder, I hope he stayed fat with you now that you've left. But anyway, uh, Matt from Orange would like to know, how did you end up in Tassie and and how did you leave the Thunder Nation? Um, well, the Thunder were wanting to go in a bit of a different direction and give, um, you know, a younger keeper a go, um, which is absolutely understandable. So Talia Wilson was there when I was there as well. So, um, they wanted to give her a bit of a go. So, and that's the way cricket goes, you know, you've got to go with the, the makeup of your team and, and giving youngsters a go. Um, so basically I just decided to retire from international cricket. Um, and I was thinking, yeah, we'll have a rest, have a break. Um, and then Sal, Sally Ambriggs called me from uh, Tasmania and said, oh, we're thinking about maybe contracting you for one-day staff. Would you be interested? And I thought, oh, I just thought I'd have a break, you know. But um, you want to play for as long as you possibly can. So yep. I was definitely considering it. And then she called me back the next day and said, look, we want to offer you um, a T20 contract as well. So, um, I mean, that was really big for me because obviously I do enjoy T20 cricket um, and I love playing in the WBBL. It's the best competition in the world um, and as close to international cricket as you can possibly get. So um, it was a pretty easy decision in the end to, um, you know, have this opportunity to continue my career and, um, you know, make a positive impact. And it was a group of players that haven't always um, had, you know, the easiest ride in this competition. Yeah. In the w, they're a pretty young team in the WNCL. So, um, no, I'm really looking forward to hopefully having a positive impact on the group and, you know, helping them with my experience and, and just having a really good time with a group of awesome teammates. A massive thanks to Rachel Priest for joining Robbie McKinlay. And that little extra Matt's mailbag question in there, Robbie, Thank you to you for getting that one across. I know our loyal listener, Matt, in Orange, would be absolutely loving that he was included in that little interview there. And speaking of Matt's mailbag, we've got some more coming up, Robbie. Yep. But we're going to talk the bats of the Big Bash. I don't know if it's an actual (laughs) segment title, but... um, Sounds like it's going to be. Well... Yeah, I like it. So... uh, Jack down at the Cricket Library, he's a massive fan of keeping a a, a log of the bat brands that the yep. that the players in the in the BBL are using, and I, I've used some of that information with some other data that I've been uh, crunching myself in my Cricket Library branded exercise book uh, to try and work out 
which bats, as in bat brands, are making mm-hmm. the biggest impact in the BBL? Now, bearing in mind, I don't have any commercial endorsements or affiliations with any of these bat companies, but I am actually available uh, for sponsorship <laughs> inquiries. Just thought I'd put, you, that, put that up front. Do uh, you use a Bradbury? I do use a Bradbury bat. Yeah, and okay. I, I use okay. it. I, I, I paid money for it and... Um, yeah. And I get no kickbacks for using it. Um, and just to qualify as well, uh, in terms of my power hitting record, I've hit nine sixes in my entire life. And not not all of them with the Bradbury, uh, yeah. some of them with my Duncan Fernley. So just putting that up, up front. Um, but there's a metric that gets used in 2020 cricket to determine uh, effectiveness, I guess, as, uh, as a batter. And that's to add the strike rate and the batting average together. Okay. Yeah. So yep. I've, I've gone through the leading run scorers in the big bash and top of the list is into in this particular metric is DSC with a ranking number of 232.48. I'll let you guess the players at the end. Uh, ranking at two is Kookaburra with 221.46. Then Grey Nichols take up third and fourth spot, 205.2, 119.68. And then in fifth place, we'll just do the top five, uh, yep. is Dark Horse 197.94. So who do you who do you think might be at top of the list if it's a list that I'm keeping, Robbie? Gee whiz. DSC. I tell you what, and this is in the Big Bash for this year? This is in this year's Big Bash. Work out on your calculations. I tell you what, I would be surprised if one of our favourites for the Cricket Library Weekly, Daniel Sand. It is Dr. Sam. So he's at the top wow. of the list. Two hundred thirty-two point four eight. He uses a DSC bat. Uh, second, second on the list, Dan Christian, then Ashton Turner, Marcus Stoinis, uh, James Baisley. Uh, after that, we've got Lynn, Peran, Hales, Davies. In at number 10, using a Bradbury, Tim David. <laughs> I should have mentioned too, uh, Chris Lynn's Grey Nichols, Peran Sunridges, Alex Hales, also DSC, Ollie Davies, yep. New Balance, uh, Mitch Marsh, Grey Nichols, and Glenn Maxwell, Kookaburra, rounding out the top well, 12. Matt, I'll throw just, this is, this is, in fact, I've gone overseas, this one, but yesterday, I believe, in New Zealand. Oh, um, that- Yes. Sophie Devine scored the fastest ever uh, women's T20 domestic century off um, something like 36 balls. Oh, it was. If you don't and mind. And she uses a kookaburra. Okay. Now, that that would be interesting because that would almost – I would imagine – and maybe Jack from the Cricket Library can look into this. I would love to see what you're um, working out on your calculations that where Sophie Devine would sit. Yeah. And that would certainly elevate Kookaburra up the list too. But anyway, well, that's at, just... Yeah, yeah. I, re- I reckon we can have a look at that for next week, actually. We'll have a look at uh, the WBBL season and maybe the bats of the WBBL. Now, there's just one other metric, or t- sorry, three other metrics I want to talk about <laughs> here, Robbie, at the, risk, at the risk of sucking the life out of this podcast. Uh, Ker- <laughs> Kerry O'Keefe was in commentary for the New Year's Eve game. And yeah. he, he, made a, he made a passing comment. I don't... I don't think he was trying to do it to harp on or whatever, but he has his 
he has a metric that he uses to determine um, how well teams are going, and he mm-hmm. allocates he allocates one point per boundary hit and two points per six hit, and he reckons yeah. I. From me- now, this is from Mary- memory. Kerry, if you are listening, and I've got this slightly out, please just send me a message, and we'll we'll correct it. But he reckons a score of around twenty four uh, for for a team in a in a game is a yeah. um, is a good result. So, for f- with that in mind, I've I've worked out uh, that score for different different bats. So I've got DSC at the top of the list again. And it's and it's not it's not Daniel Sams, but it's another Sydney Thunder player who's having a a pretty good season. You might say. You might have already mentioned him, have you? I think I may have mentioned him. Yes. Yep. I'll give you a clue. His initials are AD. Mm. AD Hales. AD Hales. He's top of the yep. list. He his score is seventy. <laughs> based on that metric, like in, incredible. Goodness. Incredible ball striking, uh, 36 boundaries for AD Hales in the Big Bash so far, and he's hit plenty across the rope as well, some into the stands, some onto the roof. 17, in fact, have uh, have gone over the boundary. Uh, and just to give you an idea of how frequently he hits boundaries, mm-hmm. I've crunched the numbers here as well. This is... This is a boundary hitting strike rate. So how often, <laughs> how often a player hits a boundary per ball yeah. space? So every five point five six deliveries that Alex Hales faces, he hits a four. Yeah, yep. And I'll right. give I'll give you a clue. That's the best in in the big bash. And That's one and over. And and yeah, and someone else who also uses a DSC, plays at oh. the same club and also opens the batting with him, UT Kawaja, ah. 5.56 is his boundary hitting strike rate as well. Absolutely yep. incredible. Uh, so Matt, is that, when you talk boundary, you're talking either no, into no, that's, the rope? No, no, that's and- just into the rope. So that's, that's just and- a four. Oh, okay. There's more then. Yeah. So there's more. So in terms of so DSC sort of own the top two places there. Um, some other good players. Uh, Felipe, he's six point four two on that metric. Stoinis six point six five. I should say Felipe's Kookaburra. Stoinis Gray Nichols. Uh, then some other players. Uh, Maxi Bryant with his Gray Nichols six point one five. Uh, then we've got Jordan Silk, or I should say JC Silk, bringing the icon cricket brand into the list. Yeah, five five point nine six is his boundary is hitting right? strike rate. Yeah, very impressive indeed. Um, and then they're probably the, the the pick of the bunch when it comes to hitting sixes, though. Nicholas Peran, with no middle <laughs> name, N Peran. And he's had a haiku poem written about him. Uh, he uses he uses a Sunridge's bat. His his six hitting strike rate is five point seven seven. Wow! He's hitting one every one every one over. every over. Whereas he's where, <laughs> whereas he just doesn't keep him on the carpet because it takes him twelve and a half deliveries to hit a four. Um, he's of it. Yeah, he's um. It's either all or nothing for. 
Piranhas, isn't it? Yeah, he's he, he's an all or nothing. But just some other players yep. in, in single figures there. Uh, Ollie Davies from the Thunder, 6.25. Uh, then we've got DT Christian. Uh, he's very good on a lot of metrics. Uh, been possibly the signing of the tournament or one of the, in my view. Yep. Uh, boundary hitting strike rate of 8.27, six hitting strike rate of 6.07. Uh, Daniel Sams, uh, boundary hitting strike rate 8.91, six hitting strike rate 7.54. Yep. Uh, I, I could rattle on about this for ages. But I, just, I just thought that would be interesting. Um, and I'd love some viewer feedback or listeners. Not viewer, people aren't watching the podcast, but for those that are listening, uh, love to know your thoughts on what makes a good batting metric. What is the metric that should be used to determine how well someone's batting? They are fascinating stats that um, the Cricket Library have come up with, Matt. And look, and just to probably to alleviate any personal concerns for yourself, mm. um, I, I'm not sure you're on the radar anyway, mate, with some of these bat companies. So, uh, look, just press on. I think it's, it, you have mentioned DSC a lot, but uh, <laughs> and Bra- and Bradbury, and but if you're with your nine sixes over a cricket career that I'm guessing that's well into its third decade, I think you're safe. You yeah. know, from any conflict, conflict of interest that might have come yeah. from here. But great stats, Matt, and well done to Jack in Telt School Holidays, can't you? In the I, cricket library. Yeah, I, I know we mentioned maybe bat sponsors were out of the out of, out of the uh, equation, but have we mentioned this week that Bradbury actually rhymes with Cadbury? And, and we've, it's a real Tasmanian connection, isn't it? <laughs> it's a real Tasmanian connection. So uh, good evening to everyone down in Tasmania listening at the Cadbury factory. Um, Matt's mailbag, 101R, Bungle Gumby Road, Barabadine, New South <laughs> Wales, 2830. And after this haiku poem from Matt Fiction, that's what we're going to delve into. Muhammad Nabi. Making runs for the Renegades. Yes, this lad can play. Never fails to disappoint, Matt Fiction. And on the back of our conversation around the Renegades last week and some of their challenges at winning games, he has come to the party with a glowing haiku poem there, Muhammad Nabi getting the job done and getting his team across the line. The Renegades in the winner's circle, Robbie, and Matt Fiction quite up and about. Uh, although that, I, don't, I don't know if we can say that, though, because I think that's fairly yeah. standard for him. Yeah, and, and it doesn't Fiction love to jump on a winner pretty quick? <laughs> now, there is, there's no chance, no chance as Renegades were losing six in a row that uh, Muhammad Nabi was going to get a mention in that high-few poem. So, well done, Matt Fixon. He loves a winner, doesn't he? Oh, you watch him. If the like the Scorchers yep. have been on a bit of a run, you watch him yep. jump on someone. I wouldn't be surprised yep. if we have J.A. Richardson or J.P. Inglis yep. or someone yep. someone from the West featuring in future. Uh, yep. But that's that's all part of the that's fun. Good. That's all part of the fun. And it's I, part of the Australian way, isn't it? Now, now, Robbie, we were speaking bats before and mm. we were dropping hints around sponsors. I wonder whether MG2 Cricket Bats in New Zealand, uh, the bat company that Rachel Priest is seeing, yeah. like we've seen how far Rachel Priest can hit a ball. Maybe if I had an MG2, maybe I could turn things around. Either that, <laughs> either that, or I could, 
I could just uh, put the cones out each week at my desired <laughs> uh, hitting distances. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do that. If MG2 don't come through, maybe maybe we'll, we'll, I'll go back to putting out the cones. I think that's, that's probably a safer strategy. Imagine, just imagine you arriving to a game of club cricket in Dubbo, not only using the MG equipment, but flicking the boot of your MG vehicle as you pop out. How good that be? <laughs> that would be a bit of swagger. Oh, wouldn't it just? Uh, and oh, anyway. Now, uh, speaking of swagger, now I don't have uh, this one in front of me, Robbie, but there's a question yeah. that's come through in the mailbag from three young listeners in Orange, three very loyal listeners. Um, Gee, Orange has been popular. The Central West are very avid listeners of the podcast. and uh, we had, yeah, we had uh, Matt from Orange, uh, the question to Rachel Priest. Yeah, we did. We did. Yeah. So Anyway, that's great. So the question is, what is the issue? I think it's essentially saying, um, on paper, the Melbourne Stars are a very formidable-looking outfit. Do we have yeah. any answers as to why they may not yet have been able to lift the coveted Big Bash trophy? And that's coming from wow. some, some, some youngsters under 10 years old who enjoy yeah, their okay. Big Bash, and yeah. they're probably... Oh, they're probably on school holidays now as well, and they're probably mm. uh, going through the numbers and crunching them each week, and thinking, "Well, hang on a minute. Uh, these players are very good players. What do they need to do to to lift the the trophy?" A- any um, any thoughts from you there? And I should say, um, should say as well. Um, Oh no! I'll leave it there. We'll leave it there. And if there's, no, any, if there's any more we need to add, we can we can add. So yeah. Well, well, Matt. The first thing I'd say, if anyone does have the answers, though, get in contact with Eddie Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie would love to hear. It. Oh, look, I I don't I'm not sure, Matt. It's a, it's an interesting one. I think sometimes, sometimes a team like the Melbourne Stars, when they and they have got a lot of star players. Sometimes they they love that freedom, yeah. And, and you can and you can generate that during the home and away series. I think, yeah. Then I think, it, and it is only human and only normal when it comes to a final. Things do change a bit. People can say, "Look, oh, there's no pressure. It's just another game." But it's actually not because what happens is, can I execute that when the stakes are really, really, really high? You know, yeah. will I play that reverse lap? That trip? will I have the, you know, can I bowl that? You know, that off pace ball. You know, the slow bounce, if it goes wrong, you know, if I don't hit it right. And I reckon all that comes into it. And I think because the Stars do have a lot of those type of players in there, yeah. um, perhaps that could be one reason. I think, but above all, what you'll see, you see so many um, fluctu- fluctuations in momentum and winning streaks in T20 cricket. If you, if you seriously, in a competition like the BBL, if you've won four or five in a row, you are so close to a defeat, I reckon. It's just the way it is because... In that shorter form of the game, it, it, it doesn't take much to go wrong and it, it game's over. So I think that as, as much as anything, Matt, I reckon that could have a, could be, have a bit to do with it. And the other thing you got to remember, I always remember what Trent Woodhill said this year when the Melbourne Stars were beaten in that final, the Rebel WBBL 06. 
he said, we were beaten by a, better, a side who played better on the night. And, and the credits should always go to the winner in that bit, the part. So I think that's a good way to do it. And that, that has generally been the case any time that this perception that the stars might have fallen over the last hurdle. Yeah, we should mention too that in BBL 05, they were uh, up against the Sydney Thunder. So good luck that's anyone right. beating the Thunder in a grand final. A good record in the finals, haven't they? Yeah, grand grand finals. But they, so, but yeah, so that's, the, the stars have. The, yeah, the stars have made it to to plenty of grand finals. Uh, just yep. not not able not able to execute to their potential, I guess, in in the big ones. And as you say, things can fluctuate very quickly. You have a look at the Perth Scorchers at the moment and where they're sitting on the BBL ladder and where they were sitting uh, not yep. that long ago. Teams can get on runs and. On paper, this year is probably the most even looking. Like if you have a look at the the top the top notch teams, there's not a lot of difference between them. And you could argue that no. on, on any given night, a particular team may be able to beat another particular team. So there's a there's a lot of high quality lists in BBL this year. And yeah. the stars Matt, the, Matt, do you look at um if sorry, if you look at say Say, for example, you're playing the Renegades from the bottom of the table. But when you've got a player like um, Aaron Finch in the side, you could be top of the table playing Renegades. Aaron Finch, 28 is not a lot of cricket. Aaron Finch comes out and makes 100. Renegades are going to win nine times out of 10. And Finch is a good enough player to do it against any attack. And if it just so happens to be against you, well, to guess what? Number one gets beat by number eight. Yeah, that's right. That's absolutely right, Robbie. And... Uh, that's that's what we might even see more happen. I can I can see the yep. difference between the top and the bottom of the ladder getting very congested indeed, and that particularly those fourth and fifth places on the competition table will be very hotly contested as we get into the back end of the competition. So, uh, massive thanks to our young listeners in Orange, Addison, Ashton, and Fletcher. Thank you very much for that. We might need to send a little. Um, a little yeah. thank you pack in the mail yep. to them. Uh, we did send out a, a little thank you pack yesterday. I, I may have spent the entire cricket library budget in um, oh. uh, for 2021 already. Uh, last week, uh, last week's winner of Matt's mailbag got sent the test match program, the official test match program, like the uh, yeah. the magazine. From 1988, the last time Australia uh, lost a test match at the Gabba. Also included in their pack was some official, officially licensed cricket library magnets. Now, they are hard to get. You can't just go down to the shops yep. and buy them. And I've got one on my fridge. Yeah, so, oh, so do I, actually. Uh, and I've uh, got one on the – oh, no, I don't have one on the freezer. Uh, but a freezer would be an appropriate place for it. Uh, and – and finally, uh, some Sydney Thunder cricket cards because it was a happened to be a Sydney Thunder fan that was listening. So keep those postcards coming in and we will get a suitable prize pack out to you if your question is read out on the program. And their money can't buy kind of prizes, yeah, oh. really. Cricket, cricket library Matt, magnets. Matt, in and around Christmas time, I know I did get a, uh, a gift from the cricket library and I'm not sure... I think it was a it was a, it was a lovely gesture, but also I think there's a message there. It's the 2021 Everyday Planner. Yes. Now, <laughs> I'm not sure if you're just asking me to just 
lift a little bit in my um, organisation <laughs> there, but um, I, I have taken on board, Matt, and I am jotting down notes each day in it. I think it may have been a subtle um, indication. Yeah. I think it was more a subtle indication that your use of electronic calendars is yeah. possibly still not up to speed. So I thought a handwritten version yeah. might suit you better. Yeah. But yeah. Guess, guess what, Robbie? We're out of time. A massive thanks to Rachel Priest for joining us. Uh, that was a wonderful chat. Thoroughly enjoyed that one. And good luck to her and the Tasmanian Raw taking part in the WNCL competition getting underway in the next couple of weeks. Uh, massive thanks to all of our loyal listeners and to everyone who's been giving us feedback on social media, at Cricket Library on Twitter and all the other places that people like to touch base with us. Have yourselves a great week. Enjoy the fourth test match. This has been Matt Ellis and Robbie McKinlay for the Cricket Library Weekly. Bye for now.